Welcome to One Sharp Sword, cutting through to what matters most with your host, Dr. P, Dr. Wayne Purnell, the breakthrough success coach and your powerful presence mentor. Welcome to One Sharp Sword, cutting through to what matters most. I am your host, Dr. P, Dr. Wayne Purnell, the exponential success coach. I have an amazing guest with me today, and we're all going to learn something. Um, When I first met her, I was very impressed by how she's taken the concept of relationships into various arenas. It was one of the things that intrigued me because she is able to take hard concepts and hard discussions and boost them where they need to be boosted. She is known as a co-parent coach. She's done a lot of work with divorce and helping people through that and past it and to remain in healthy relationships, even beyond it, especially healthy relationships with their kids. She's done a lot of work with family law and I'm going to find out a little bit more about her as I bring her on. Amy Armstrong, welcome to One Sharp Sword. Thank you so much, Dr. P. I am really happy to be here. All righty. Well, it is a delight. We met, wow, we met. Feels it was October. Like, yeah, almost. Yeah, it's been a while. So um, a while and yet so close, like all of the pandemic. It's <laughs> been going forever and it's just yesterday. Uh, all right. So let's talk about before you got into coaching, right? Before you found your way to helping people through a super disruptive time in their lives, mm. what got you there? Like, let's talk about, can I wind back the clock with you and talk about, you know, how did you grow up? How did you like, sometimes here's what I know. The wounded healer heals. And I don't know much about your backstory. So what happened? (laughs) I'd love to fill you in. And it's interesting, Wayne, a lot of people that have adverse experiences that help them launch a coaching career or a big business were mine were not the same type of adverse experiences that I hear from a lot of people. I grew up in a home where my parents were together, were high functioning. We had a lot of fun in my family, a lot of great trips. And I really lived a life very predictably. What was unusual about my family was I was the fourth of four and I had what I called a special agent and that was my big sister and my big sister read every book in the house. She read newspapers. She listened to the news. She was extremely educated beyond her years and she was incredibly intellectual and could understand a lot of things at an adult level very early. And I was normal. So I was not like her. I was not reading my dad's books when I was a little kid. And I was very intimidated by my sister's intellect and by how well adults responded to her. And so I really, I, I I just appreciated that she paved the way 
for my reputation, you know, people kind of assumed I was going to be smart too, because she was, but I was riding piggyback on her intellect. And I became very dependent on her, not only in things related to education, but really in things related to life. So when there was an issue in our house, when there were plenty, I didn't want to upset anyone. I was the happy-go-lucky one. And so I just looked to my big sister to direct me. And it really worked fine for a long time. I just missed the memo when I hit my teen years. I, I really missed that memo about developing some autonomy. So what worked really well for me as a youngster and allowed me to sort of live my happy life really hit the fan when I got into high school and very much when I got into college. Wayne, I couldn't make a decision without her. Yeah. I want to pause here because this is, this is huge. You know, we Mm -hmm. learn so much about the world without having the words that go with it um, (laughs) because we don't have the perception When we're younger, we rely on the older people around us to give us that perception, what's safe, what's, what gives us attention, what feeds us, what fuels us. And as you grow, you, as you said, you're supposed to grow into a little bit of autonomy. Mm -hmm. Most people, even though they take, they, they grow out of being under the direct control of their parents or church or siblings or grandparents, most people who, uh, as you grow, you, you do grow beyond the direct control and the stories become the rules <laughs> that you carry with you. Now, your path was a little different because you became dependent on your bigger sister. And I did. Carried, I followed her to her college. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How much older was she? 16 months. Okay. So really not that far, right? Mm-hmm. So she was paving the way mm-hmm. and you were, you were brilliant, Amy, obviously. Right. And, uh, and then it sounds like this was the cliffhanger. It sounds like the bottom's about to fall out. Well, it did. It did in a couple of ways. And Wayne, I don't mean to sensationalize here, but we got a call from our local police department saying that she had been killed in a car accident. And I remember that feeling as if I had just been killed. And matter of fact, I wondered why it wasn't me. Why would she go and not me? Right. She was the brilliant one. And not only did I, feel incredibly lost and confused, I fell into an equally different relationship with someone else and I married him. So I know that's a big drama to, you know, toss out at you. And, and honestly, you knew it was coming. You knew that I wouldn't have ended up where I am now if something big and dramatic had not happened. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what happened. Well, we all we all have stories mm-hmm. about how we got here. And now mm-hmm. really, I mean, the work is what do you do with that? Right. That's right. the work. Something right. 
you know, the biggest thing, one of the things that I continue to point out is you're as old as you've ever been, which means that you have survival <laughs> skills. Right. Something got you here. So mm-hmm. how do you leverage what got you here and choose, which is the hardest part, how do you choose what your next few years is going to be? How do you mm-hmm. choose what that's going to look like? How do you, mm-hmm. you know, can you dare to desire and step into that next space? Well, when you, all right. So it wasn't, it wasn't so sensational. You, uh, it was, this is a story and it's a, yeah, it's it's a what happened. It's a, it's a real and dramatic story without mm-hmm. a lot of the drama. If you had sensationalized it, it would have been, um, and then we got the call and then, you know, right. trauma and, dr- and drama. And it's like, mm-hmm. we got a call and she was gone my life was upside down yeah. basically yeah. with um wondering who you were i mean that's that's really right. you know was, your identity was so tied to hers that when there was that separation and you were forced into autonomy mm-hmm. and i didn't take it i didn't take it i went right into another dependent relationship i married my husband i went right on living as though I could create some sense of fine when I wasn't fine. And when something really interesting happened for me in that my relationship, my marriage was never satisfying, but I loved becoming a mom. And I definitely found a sense of home as a mom. And I am to this day, very close with my kids, two girls and a boy. They're all grown now and have families of their own. And I did find a sense of well-being and happiness in being a mom. And so my world continued and I was able to really focus on how much I enjoyed my kids. I had a lot of friends. I've always been social. I've always been um, a, a very friendly, upbeat person and have never had trouble surrounding myself with wonderful people. Can I, can I ask you a couple of questions? Absolutely. All right. So one, I'm assuming the marriage didn't last based on it how did not, Well, it lasted for 25 years, oh, that's, but it was never good. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, did he think it was good? No. Okay. So you both mm-hmm. kind of knew and you both kind of kept it together until you were like, you know what? Here's the reality. How did you stop from creating dependent kids or how did you stop yourself from being dependent on them? Because super dependent people end up creating mm-hmm. overbearing relationships one way or the other. How did right. you And I didn't at all. I did how, not. I loved seeing my children become independent. How did you stop that? Like, yeah. You, so the was word. Yeah. No, it wasn't conscious. It was actually pretty natural. And as surprising as this is going to sound, I was actually pretty healthy. And my and a lot of my relationships were pretty healthy. Um, because when I did fine, when I was treated as an equal and when we were in some type of collaborative relationship, but my husband and I took on very different roles as many married couples do. And he had his role and I focused on the children. And I would say one of my favorite words now, 
was not a favorite word for a long time, but it's boundaries. And I didn't have a hard time setting boundaries with my children because I loved seeing them succeed and create their own happiness and succeed in their relationships. And so it really wasn't hard for me to promote independence in my children. When did you then, I mean, along the way, somewhere in there, you went into coaching. I'm guessing, did you have therapy? Were you in, were you you doing? I actually had therapy that did not go well. Uh I had therapy that actually supported um, a lot of the dysfunction. Wow. And yeah, the therapy wasn't great, but the coaching was good. So I received some coaching from a friend and Wayne, she was the first person in my life was ever able to be very kind and very direct with me. She was able to give me feedback about what I was experiencing. And she helped me learn how to have a real conversation. And, And she was safe for me to really fall apart. It was safe for me to tell her what was really happening with me. And instead of giving me some type of false sense of comfort, she was able to say, Amy, you're going to be okay. And you don't get to keep up the old rhetoric. You don't have to be fine. You don't have to say it's okay. It's not okay. And we're going to learn together how you can create new vocabulary about what's happening in your own life. That's so important. It was amazing. It's it was so really important. amazing. Renee yeah. Brown is doing a lot of work on the language that we use to be able to express ourselves allows us even greater expression of self. And so to create new rhetoric around your experience and not, and, and being okay, being not fine. And it's, it, it, right. it becomes uh, so honest, right? Are you okay? Well, I actually uh, refer really. to Brene yeah. Brown a lot. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I do. And I like to say, you know, she likes to talk about how we can rumble. I love her word rumble sure. with vulnerability. And I like to tell people that that's what you get to learn how to do that, what that actually is going to look like for you in your life with your relationships. So we take a lot of the teaching from Brené Brown or lots of other thought leaders and really create the how, what that's really going to look like in a very practical sense Mm -hmm. um, for clients. That's awesome. It's amazing. So, so much fun. So let's talk about your now. Like yeah. you found your way to coaching yourself. Yeah, I'll tell uh, you how that happened. Yeah, how long have you been doing it? Uh, so even during my marriage, I started teaching uh, parenting classes when my youngest child was just two years old. So I've been doing that since um, yeah, 1993 or 1994. And I loved it, but I found that so many, two things, I found that so many parents could appreciate what I was teaching, but still didn't know what it was going to look like in their home, didn't really know how to personalize it. And then I also noticed that so much of parenting was really co-parenting, how the parents were going to work together and actually feel support from each other while trying something new for their kids. That's the key. I want to mm-hmm. underscore that, right? So, mm-hmm. um, 
parenting is co-parenting and mm-hmm. um and even i'm gonna i'm i don't know your work specifically i'm gonna say that even a single parent is still co-parenting whether that's with community with other family members with the school um well with, said. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah so. and it comes in many different forms it's just we, uh, Maverick and I got together with two other parent coaches and we wrote a book and talked about these pillars of parenting where parenting isn't all under the same umbrella. We really want to look at what the relationship pillars are, what the support pillars are, and what the teaching pillars are. And this co-parenting piece that falls under the relationship pillars certainly brings in community brings in a lot to do with self-support and self-care, but we definitely don't parent in a vacuum. Talk about the three pillars. What are they again? Yeah, they are relationship pillars, and that has to do with how we tune into our child, how we connect with our child, and how we connect with our co-parent. They are the teaching pillars that have to do with discipline, rituals and routines and keeping kids healthy and safe. And then we have our support pillars that has to do with how we involve community in raising our children, how we as an individual create self-awareness, and then definitely the self-care or self-support piece. And so our work in our our book, Real-Time Parenting, is completely revolved around helping parents create a vision for which of those areas they're really drawn to work on and get clear that parenting is vast, it's complex, it's multi-layered, and creating a vision around any specific area is going to help parents really get results and see changes that are going to help them create more satisfaction as a parent and create a more fun family life. I think, you know, I love, I love when frameworks have three or more, obviously. <laughs> I love threes. Mm-hmm. Okay. So three creates a stool, right? You, it's a three-legged stool and you mm-hmm. can have two, but it's not going to, you can teeter on two, um, you know, but the exactly. third, all three, all three are necessary. So I think mm-hmm. that's really important. I was taking notes as you were talking about relationship, teaching and support. So I think that's great. Dr. Wayne Purnell, Dr. P, would like to invite you to dare to declare that your dreams are worthy. Beyond all of the success you have that got you here, you know you're bigger than the life you're currently living. What have you set aside to get to where you are? Don't you want to wake that back up? It really is possible to explore new dreams and dare to desire without giving up your current path of success. Pop over to Dr. Purnell's free masterclass to help you get from your desire to your destination. www.powerfulpresencemasterclass.com That's powerfulpresencemasterclass.com Dr. P's free masterclass is at www.powerfulpresencemasterclass.com So talk a little bit about what you're doing now. Like what, who, who are you working with? What do they come to you with? What's the, 
what is their biggest problem that you solve? And do they even know that that's the problem when they come to you? Because <laughs> a lot of times, obviously, you know, as coaches, yeah. people come saying, I need help with this. And they believe that's their pain. When in reality, what they're describing is a, is a symptom of what's really going on. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, what, do, what do people come to you with and what are you really fixing? Very well, well said. Wayne, what they come to me with is not going to be what you're expecting. They come to me with court orders. Okay. So what happened as I got into parent coaching, with I, which I loved, um, some folks in the county where I lived got word of what I was doing and came to me asking for some specific programming around parents that were separating or divorcing that had a whole nother bucket of issues that they needed to address. So I started creating um, some education specifically for them and then ultimately got into co-parent coaching and I was so excited about what I was doing that I started knocking on the doors of some attorneys and judges and magistrates. And we started getting um, sampling uh, some court orders that could actually require moms and dads to work with me while they were going through their court case. And what started off as a bit of an experiment has exploded. And Almost all the referrals that I get into my company, which is the Center for Family Resolution, are all court-ordered clients. And of course, from there, I've gotten a lot of referrals from folks they know that are you know, able to come in before they get to court, which is ideal. But so many of my um, clients come in with court orders. And now, not to jump ahead too much, but now I'm actually running a program in another county where the judge in that county brought me in to do co-parent coaching right within the walls of his courthouse. So it's amazing. It's a first of its kind and it's true coaching and has become a form of dispute resolution in the court. That's fantastic. It is amazing. And I, I see, mm -hmm. I, I see a, a television series in this. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Right? Can you imagine? It's like, here's the, I mean, we right. have all these other court things. It's like, why not right. see coaching on TV so that people can understand, oh, like there, there is a path to actually talking together, to actually right. being civil with the child in mind where you take yourself you know, when it's tug of war between the parents and you go, stop the tug of war, the, the focus is on the child. Yeah. And now you have a unified vision toward which both parties are working. Mm -hmm. I'm assuming that's the work. <laughs> it is. And there's a catch to it. Okay. So I have a reputation for working well with really high conflict families. Oh. So it's not just for moms and dads who want to be friends. A lot of the work I do is for moms and dads that are going to do what we call parallel parenting, where they're mm -hmm. not going to interact, but they still care enough about their child to try something new. And honestly, it helps to have court orders a lot of times because these are not people that would seek out help 
And these are not people that would ever choose to be in a joint session. I mean, some of these people have had domestic violence in their history. Mm. So I don't shy away from working with very high conflict people. And what happens, this is what I would call the catch to what you're saying, is that a lot of people, when they are in a coaching process, the mistake other professionals often make is trying to find common ground. Now, don't, don't, don't uh, worry here. Of course, we love common ground. But when people aren't getting along, the last thing they want to hear is how much they have in common. They need permission to disagree with each other. They need permission to have very different worldviews and permission to have different perspectives. And as soon as they find out that I'm not here to try to talk them out of their perspective, they start to let their guard down. So what I'm doing is helping them articulate their perspective, validating their perspective, and then asking great coaching questions like, okay, given that mom, you're all the way over here and dad, you're all the way over here. What do you guys want to do with this? What do you want your child to experience given these two very opposing points of view? And then the conversations are very different and people find they don't have to blame each other as much. They don't have to be as defensive because nobody's asking them to lose something that's very important to them. And they start to feel a little safer. They start to feel a little bit more comfortable experimenting because they don't feel so threatened that I'm going to tell them how to think or feel or that the other parent is going to talk them out of something that means the world to them. I think one of the biggest things we can do as coaches, because as coach, you come in, we come in, right? Um, and we do coaching in different arenas. So, but coaching is really about having a perspective that the other doesn't, you know, that, that uh, one of the things I say is you can't ask a fish what water is like, because they have no, they have no way of discerning, not water, right? That's the world. They've never right. seen water from land. Right. Yeah. Um, so we come in as the bird's eye view and go, Hey, there's a fish, there's water, there's all this stuff. Uh, I love permission to have different worldviews where we as coaches come in and, you know, in your work, you're coming into a pretty potentially volatile, or at least emotionally volatile. Very volatile. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And you're saying, you know what? That's cool. Have your, have your feelings. Mm-hmm. No one's going to take that away from you. Have your perspective. No one's going to take that away from you. And yet, Again, here's where you both need to focus. Here's your child. What experience? I love this question. Um, given that you have different worldviews, what do you want your child to experience? That is so powerful. I think as parents, you could be asking that every single day, whether you're in a, a dysfunctional home or a super functional home. What do you want your child to experience? Like being deliberate about that is huge. So that's awesome. That's really Well, that's where it goes back to that idea of creating a vision of what we want the parent to experience, what we want the child to experience, what we want any event or interaction to be like. And you know this as well as I do, that once you have a vision of what it is that you really want to create, 
the action steps to get there will just automatically emerge. Mm-hmm. The hard part is getting clarity on the vision, which is why I love coaching so much, mm-hmm. because that's where we meet people is wherever they are and then help them discern and define and get really clear on what it is that they, that they want to create. Mm-hmm. That's fabulous. Mm-hmm. All right. So where are you located? So I'm in Columbus, Ohio. Okay. I do have clients in several states, um, mostly in Ohio. Um, right now, I'd say we really have a presence in about seven counties um, in Ohio. That's great. That is amazing. Mm-hmm. And Well, I'm excited about getting the word out about what I'm doing in the domestic relations arena so that other coaches that are drawn to work with families can start to embrace this intersection between coaching and family law. Are you, two things, are you training parents still and are you training coaches as well? I am no longer doing any education, specific education for groups for parents. And as a matter of fact, almost all my coaching now is group coaching because I've started a couple of groups for parents that are in uniquely difficult situations where they're trying to co-parent with someone that is trying to undermine and really criticizes them a lot and undermining everything they do. Mm -hmm. Um, And your other question is a great question. I started a coach development program and am training other coaches to become accredited in the ICF um, competencies And that training program, as you know, um, ICF competencies apply across all domains, Um, but I have uh, some co-parent coach specific training as well. Talk about ICF. Yeah. So the International Coach Federation. Okay. Because that's not a set of competencies. Right. The entire entire, uh, audience doesn't know acronyms. Right. Thank so, you for reminding me. Yeah. yeah. So the International Coach Federation is a association with um, actually they the they are I would say the majority of coaches worldwide are affiliated with the International Coach Federation, and the the Coach Federation does not provide the training, but they're a body that creates the standards for coaching. And it's a beautiful way to keep the standards very, very high for coaching so that coaching has meaning and value. Um, A lot of people call themselves coaching, but without being accredited, you never know really what model they use or what approach they have to coaching. And what I especially appreciate about the International Coach Federation is how much trust there is in the client. And we really trust the client as a whole person to be able to work with us to get the clarity that makes sense for them and determine the action steps that are going to get them the results that they're looking for. Very good. Um, and, and your methodology is accredited through ICF. Is that right? Absolutely. Okay. Mm -hmm. Good deal. Mm -hmm. Um, and just as an aside, as a coach, uh, you know, I've been doing this for 35 years and I have, uh, gone different pathways and I'm not affiliated with ICF. Uh, so, 
the the message here is uh to for for as a listener um as a as a viewer to look at your coach's background Mm -hmm. and you know you decide because accreditation does mean something or accreditation doesn't mean something Mm -hmm. um it depends on the accrediting body um that said obviously i mean you have this track record of helping people in super difficult situations just sort of really get through them what does success look like for you i mean when you take a parenting couple who are parallel parenting and they're on different sides and they seem far apart mm-hmm. how do you know that you've been successful how do they know they've been successful Fantastic question. And I actually ask them the same question is what is success going to look like for you? Yeah. But I'll answer it for me and what I have in my mind when I'm coaching them. Good deal. One, I'm looking to find ways to help them regulate their nervous system because I don't even put them in a joint session until individually they can demonstrate an ability to have a tough conversation without using foul language, without yelling, without really getting so intense in their communication that it would be disrespectful to the other person. So I run a very tight ship and I'm happy to validate people in their emotions, but I never let them blame or take it out on the other person. So the first thing I'm looking for is for them to learn if they need to learn or to practice being able to communicate in a responsible manner. And then the next thing I'm looking for is that they, that they have real conversations. They don't need to say anything to try to impress me. I have no authority. I just want to know that they're talking from their head, talking from their heart, speaking what's really true for them um, in the moment. Um, as a matter of fact, I have a funny saying I use. We all know what WTF means, but I like to add a Y at the end, WTFY. And that means what's true for you. So, so many times they are looking to me for a right answer. And of course, there's no right answers for your life or your family. So I love that question of, of WTFY. That's awesome. So if they're regulated, in, in other words, if they're able to breathe, if they're able to talk, if they're able to let me know when they need a break, take care of themselves and speak with a, a you know, it's, I don't want to say it's always by my standard, but it's a reasonable tone of voice. Yeah, level and, demeanor. And if they're able to have a real conversation. Nice. Mm-hmm. So that kind of goes back to what you were saying about Brene Brown and this whole idea of being able to rumble with vulnerability. I mean, she talks a lot about being able to stay in a conversation when the going gets tough. And she talks about being trustworthy. And she talks about, you know, being able to get back up when you fall. And all that work around vulnerability requires that I take amazing care of them and that they know I have their back and that I'm never going to let them be humiliated or look foolish on a call. And so we do a lot of preparation ahead of time before joint sessions so that they know that I'm going to do the heavy lifting. And if the other person needs to be corrected, 
I'm going to be the one to do it so that I preserve their ability to regulate their nervous system. That's great. When do you turn them loose? Hmm. My coaching program at the court where I work is three phases and we we try to keep the engagement to about 100 to 120 days. And the last two sessions are actually what we call the launch phase where I'm turning them loose because um, they've got other resources put in place, such as therapists, family counselors. Um, maybe they have their child in counseling. They have put other family members or other members of their community into their inner circle to help them as needed or they've resolved their court case, things have settled down, they're doing fine on their own. So that is uh, the official launch process. Mm. But in my private business, we create together how long we're going to work together and what their launch is going to look like. Basically how they're going to know when they're ready to launch. If someone from Nebraska, Florida, California, New York, right? And across the country recognizes that they're either about to separate or they're in the midst of something that's a little tumultuous. Could they reach out to you? Do you have resources online? Could they reach out to you to do Absolutely. online groups? Like you can. Absolutely. So typically folks call in email, call either way, based on information uh, from a referral source or from our website. And we are more than happy to talk with them and help them find the right service. So we have coaching. We also have mediation if they want a strictly mediation process, which is more just looking at the nuts and bolts of the case. Um, sometimes Wayne, we will have a situation where the mom and dad have such differences that we want to have a coach for each of them and maybe do a little bit more individual work before we put them together. Mm. Um, but absolutely, we work with clients from, uh, we have people from out of the US, um, but really excited about working with people from all walks of life, all situations. And the more people can get in touch with us, before they get themselves buried thousands of dollars deep into a court case and lots of time and energy um, going an acrimonious route, of course, the easier it is for them to start to heal their hearts and create agreements and plans that will help them reach their long-term goals. Fantastic. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, I have a few wrap-up questions and those sure. are um if there were one two three key takeaways mm -hmm. that you were hoping that the you know that our that our audience could get what like what springs to mind like mm -hmm. you've really got to remember boom 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 mm -hmm. Thanks for that question. Let me think. Um, I would say number one is we all are humans with feelings that are up and down every day. And I want people to know that their feelings are very real, but they're not necessarily reality. And people get mixed up a lot 
just because they feel really strongly about something that doesn't make it true in a universal sense. So I like for people to learn to be really responsible with how they handle their emotions and not take them out on other people. I would say number two is surround yourself with wonderful support people that care about you, that help you create a vision that's positive for your life rather than working against someone else. Mm -hmm. Matter of fact, when I was first separated, I had someone call me who wanted to help me. I don't even remember her words. Some, something, you know, really make life hard for my husband and, you know, get everything I could out of the divorce. And I just remember thinking, even in the heat of that moment, thinking, oh, that's not me. And I feel so thankful that I surrounded myself with good people that helped me focus on what I call what's pro me, not anti you. So there's no reason to be anti anyone. There's plenty we can do to become empowered and create the life that we love without taking anyone else down. I think- and then the third thing I would say is... to be very mindful about creating what you want your life to look like, because it can look however you want it to look Mm. and to never underestimate the possibilities of what can be an amazing life. Mm. That's fantastic. I'm an example of that. I never would have imagined that I would be a business owner I never would have imagined that I would be willing to take the social risks that I take in speaking and and talking about situations that are very volatile. And I feel completely comfortable doing it now. It feels very authentic for me. And I look at a lot of my um, you know, friends from childhood don't even recognize me now because they never knew I had an opinion, let alone so many opinions that I'd be willing to really go out on a limb and go to bat for people. So that's amazing. Mm -hmm. That really is. That's amazing. That, you know, you're growing into that is a, is a big deal. And Mm -hmm. um, one of the key lessons I would love to pass to our audience is that you don't have to wait decades to figure that part out. You're allowed to have an opinion. You're allowed to make mistakes. You're allowed to learn. Uh, Completely. What's What's the truth for you? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Which, which yeah. is going to change. It's going to change even daily, but yeah. we have to be aware of who we are and what we need, and 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 really what we want to request from others or request from life in the moment. Fabulous. Setting boundaries uh, I, that are pro me, not anti you. I love that, right? I love all that. We're all humans with feelings, but feelings aren't necessarily reality. Uh, mm-hmm. Surround yourself with good support. It's okay to be pro me, and that doesn't mean being anti anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and being mindful about creating the life you want is, um, it's. I mean, that's a very congruent message for something I'm continuing to bring as well. I mean, that's, it's like, you can, you, uh, and I love that you're doing this. This is such mm-hmm. important work. 
Uh, you can create exactly what you want. Just get really clear about what that is. Just get clear. And I can tell you, you know, you asked me a great question about what does success look like for my clients. I know success for me is based on if I'm having fun or not. And mm. sometimes I hesitate to say that because I do such grueling work, but I find it incredibly engaging and so rewarding to really be on a treasure hunt and help people find what's going to allow them to really enjoy and have fun in their life again, like I am. Nice. That's great. Is there anything that you were, that you were hoping that I would ask you that I haven't asked? I can't think of anything. I'm sure I will after we are done recording. Um, But Uh I just, I love talking about it and I think what, you know, we've kind of shown on this call today is even though I've had some real, you know, I had a difficult relationship, you know, I work in situations where there's a lot of difficult conversations. Um, You know, I just really want to emphasize um, that that staying power and, you know, that ability does, isn't something anybody else can hand you. And these are skills that once you have them, they, they're yours for the rest of your life. So it's like the work I get to do with people, I get to send them on their way, knowing that they're going to be able to handle conflict and stay in tough conversations and be able to be real and be authentic um, going forward. And I don't think I could have ever done that, you know, support other people in doing it unless I had done it myself. That's so powerful, right? Just so powerful to give people back their voice, to to remind them that they actually had one to start with. There's a sort of a a Wizard of Oz feeling about it all. It's like you have always had the courage, dear lion. You've always had the heart, dear tin man and dear scarecrow. The brains are right there. So, yeah, it's really it's it's great because as a coach, um, you are reminding each individual how powerful they really are. I love that you said that. So good. Uh, Your book, Real-Time Parenting, is available. Yes. Amazon, I'm assuming. Absolutely. Okay. Real-Time Parenting, I'm plugging it for you. So there you are. Thank you. Thank you. And what if uh, people want to reach out to you? Where do they find you? Yeah. So my website is the centerforfamilyresolution.com. And my coach program is the center for coach development.com. Center for family resolution.com. That's a big long URL. It's it's too long. If there's one thing I would do differently, it would be to give my URL a shorter name. There's a task. All right. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. awesome. That's awesome. Oh, so good. Amy, uh, thank you for being here. Thanks for sharing that wisdom, your history, your work, and um, and some of the, the important lessons along the way. I think mm-hmm. that's really, really, really powerful. Well, it is an honor to share. And as always, it's great to chat with you. And I'm really happy to share all this with your audience. 
Yay. Yay. All right, Amy. Thank you. This is one sharp sword cutting through to what matters most. My guest today was Amy Armstrong, and I am Dr. Wayne Purnell, Dr. P, the Exponential Success Coach. We'll see you here again next time. Thank you for listening to One Sharp Sword, cutting through to what matters most with your host, Dr. P, Dr. Wayne Purnell, the Breakthrough Success Coach and your powerful presence mentor. 